Hey everyone, it's Shahan. Uh, before the show started, I just wanted to give a quick note. Uh, we had some audio issues on Ish's end. I tried my best to edit them out, but we lost some of our section on Texas Tech and lost some of our section on Texas. Still think we ended up with a pretty good show. Um, if you hear anything during the show that you know sounds like it's really cutting out bad or, or anything like that, uh, please let us know at Shahan Jayaraja, S-H-E-H-A-N-J-E-Y-A-R-A-J-A-H on Twitter, or you, know, you have my email, whatever. Whatever way makes you the happiest, um, please let us know. But thanks, as always, for listening, and we will get started right now. Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, if you're not already, please make sure and subscribe, TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, Ish, did any football happen yesterday? Uh... God, it's hard to tell. You know, sometimes these weeks where you go by where nothing really happens and uh, you're just kind of wondering. And this is wondering. one of them. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, this... nothing happened. <laughs> okay, you know what? I mean, we – obviously, we try to do our due diligence with that, with every team, but we, we really have to just start with what happened with the Big 12 teams in the oh, state my... yesterday. Gosh. So, <laughs> yeah. In in fact, in fact, we're going to get to the college power poll a little later cuz we just have to start with this. Yeah. Oh, uh, where where do we even start? I mean, I guess with Texas, like or do we start with Tech? I don't I don't know. Uh, <laughs> let, you know what? Let's start with Tech because okay. we have to start with that ending and we have to start with well, let's let's start before that. Like how that game was kind of going cuz I right. turned on the game um after Texas TCU and I was like, "Oh, right, the Tech game's on. I forgot about it actually." <laughs> And right. I switched over, and they were up. And right. I believe Kansas had like seven points, like at halftime or like sometime they were, around. They were halftime. killing them. Yeah, they were killing. And I was like, "Oh man, okay, cool." Like that, you know, Tech's doing handling business, and it looks like Kansas's offense came back down to earth. Okay, I don't need to pay attention to this game that much anymore. <laughs> right. So I so I switched over to uh, to Notre Dame, Michigan, and then that game was turning out the way it was. And I was like, "All right, I don't need to. Let me just go back to Tech." And then all of a sudden, it was tied. And I'm like, "What's happening? What happened here?" <laughs> right. Right. And I mean, it's so weird because you just look at the numbers, you look at the touchdowns, and you're like, Tech looked like across the board they played a pretty decent game until that fourth quarter. Sure. When all of a sudden, you know, they, or actually, well, I guess the second half in general. You yeah, know, second half. They're up 27 uh, halfway through the third quarter. Then Kansas goes, scores two touchdowns, a 65-yarder to Stephon Robinson, a 70-yarder, a 70-yarder, excuse me, to mm-hmm. Andrew Parchment, and all of a sudden it's tied. And then <laughs> you know Dalton Rigdon gets one back, but then they score again. I mean, it's just it was just big plays all day long. And mm-hmm. you know the one thing is that Tech had been pretty good against the big plays so far this year. This was very uncharacteristic of them to all of a sudden just not be able to defend anything right and like the, I mean, the the tech stopped the they were able to neutralize uh puka williams and like okay that, right. that's that's what you needed to do right that's what that's what i didn't think tech was going to be able to do um because they're okay against the pass but they've always gotten gashed against good runners 
And right. they were able to shut him down. 21 carries for 69 yards, three, you know, three and a half, three point three yards per carry. But it was like you said, it was the big plays. And it was Carter Stanley that was able to carve them up. And I don't know if we have to have a discussion about Carter Stanley, maybe as the average Big 12 quarterback, which is something that he didn't even look like um, for basically his whole career until the past two weeks. But um, he was really good and he was able to hit those big plays. Um he finished with a QBR of ninety one point five. Like my, wow. like jeez. I have to honestly. I'm I'm curious what that rack, what that stacks up as far as Big Twelve play goes this season. Um, but yeah, like like you said, they couldn't stop the big play. And I mean, do you want it? Do we want to talk about the, the actual ending of this game? Yeah. So even, even after all of that, yeah. even after yeah. all of that, they had a chance yeah. to win. Right. In fact, they they probably should have won. They should have won, and, and and actually, that's funny because that's I guess the second should have won game for Texas Tech this season. But, right? Yeah, uh, that, that's oh god, that, that's a good point. With <laughs> when you have the snap infraction and now this, right, like, this right, has right. just been an absolute right. frustrating season. Let's actually real quick just touch on that Oklahoma game too. Sure. Uh, I know that they're obviously not one of our teams, but it, it has implications. What that happened there? I think the thing that's probably most confusing to me is actually, like you mentioned, is that offensive performance. Because, like, I mean, and and they were, don't get me wrong, they were fine, but, like, they also, first of all, gave up two punt touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Like, that is not something that can happen, obviously. Um, And, you know, so it's just you look at this and... I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, like, the ESPN box score right now, and I just can't believe how quickly that number on the right for Kansas State is going up while Oklahoma sits there right at 23. You know, the score was 23-24 at the half, and then Kansas State pushes the lead out to 48-23. Like, I, I just, that's unbelievable. Like, and I think that we did learn something about this Oklahoma defense, and it's that the middle is extremely stout. You know, mm-hmm. Neville Gallimore, Kenneth Murray, you don't want to challenge up the middle. But their contain is not very good right now. And if you can get to those defensive backs and try to make them make tackles in space on runners, mm-hmm. I think that that's a recipe for success. And, uh, I mean, again, and, and this is, you know, one game by Oklahoma. I'm not going to sit here and write them off completely by any means. But I think that it showed a lot of warning signs. And... You know, you look at Iowa State. Can Brees Hall get outside? I think he can. You mm-hmm. know, you look at Baylor. Can Baylor, with their running backs and receivers, get outside? I think they can. And uh, later in the year, even in Stillwater. Uh, I mean, Chuba Hubbard can get outside. We know that. Um, and so I still think this defense is very much improved. I mean, look, and the other thing, too, is that there was a lot of talk, obviously, about uh, Oklahoma. But Chris Kleiman, man, he, he oh, has gosh, been... Yeah what we thought he was oh for sure that's a guy who just i mean like you mentioned some guys can just coach some guys just know how to coach despite the level yeah well and actually i think that's a good transition to tcu uh because you know a week ago we were kind of ringing the warning bells about tcu that they went on the road they lost to kansas state by seven Uh, first of all i mean i think that i'm pulling up tcu's schedule right now but all of a sudden (laughs) That whole, I mean, their entire schedule doesn't look that bad, yeah. you know, because they go and lose to SMU. SMU's awesome. 
They lose at Iowa State. Now, Iowa State did lose to Oklahoma State on Saturday, but I think that we've seen that they've been pretty good so far. Yeah. Uh, and they lose at Kansas State, and Kansas State goes and beats Oklahoma the next week. Like, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. They still shouldn't have lost all three of those games, but I think you have to be at least a little impressed, right? I mean, oh, just sure. knowing just knowing that maybe those losses weren't as miserable as we thought they were. I mean, we thought that that Kansas State loss was just like a knockout punch. We thought that it was over after right. that. Well, and, and you know what? That's one thing where, I mean, not to talk about Baylor too much right now, but, mm-hmm. you know, people have been saying, we'll just wait for their schedule to get harder. And obviously they'll play Texas and they'll play Oklahoma and that'll be harder. Yeah, they'll play. But, this will play out. But the one thing that I think you look at with Baylor coming into the year is that the most impressive thing they could do to me, I mean, I mean, obviously beating Oklahoma, beating Texas would be big wins mm-hmm. for sure. You yeah. know, no questioning that. But the fact that at this point they've gone four and zero against four what look to be middle class teams, mm-hmm. like they've handled their business in every single one of those games, regardless of how they happened. I mean, we can talk about you know the, uh, how things went with the Tech game, how things you know uh, how they allowed twenty one straight points to Iowa State, but they won those games. You know, and and if you're going to be a conference title contender, those are actually the games you have to win more than anything because you have to prove that you are ahead above everybody else. And and that's the one thing that I think has been most impressive about Baylor is that, you know, maybe TCU's the one other team that's kind of in that middle class amalgamation, but they've mm-hmm. beaten every other team there. They've proven that they're above everybody else. And so anyway, but let's get back to the let's get back to the game that we were talking about. So TCU beats Texas 37-27. Um, so here's the thing that I'll say about TCU. I loved that Sonny Cumbie called this game unafraid. Right. Because in the first quarter, like literally the first quarter, they take two shots down the field. One is intercepted and one bounces off the hands of Tay Barber. And I think in previous games, they would have just been like, all right, let's let's dial it back. Let's, you know, not right. create we, issues for ourselves. Right. We tried yeah. that. Good job. Let's go back to keeping right, and we the saw ball. that I, I, we saw that a little bit. I think at the end of the second quarter, even and, and things started to get a little better. But we saw that at the end of the second quarter that they were running four or five wide, but their guys weren't going more than like eight yards. Mm-hmm. You know, they were they were all curling back after about eight yards. And Texas was in prevent, but like you know, you still have to stretch them a little bit for sure. Um, but then when they came out in the second half, they continuously tested that Texas secondary and look I I was <laughs> you know I'll, I'll let you in I was talking to some of my friends from uh from my old job and you know a bunch of TCU fans in that group text mm-hmm. and one of them was like I just you know I don't think that we should let, make him do too much I think that we should you know let Duggan be limited and that's okay you know we just don't know what he is as a pastor but for me I'm just like dude you're losing games yeah you know like like <laughs> At least teams, try. You teams know? know that you know you're not you're not taking shots. And I mean, the one thing too, and and this is something that obviously everybody on the roster tried to emphasize is you know they have uh, they have Tay Barber back and he's healthy mm-hmm. and and obviously that opens up the passing game and lets you go deep in different ways than when you were you know just having a bracketed Jalen Rager every single play. But I mean, they still have to call those plays and. Right. Finally, in the second half, we started to see that. We started to see that they were more comfortable letting Max Duggan toss the ball deep, letting him take chances. And and look, he made some mistakes, but 
I think that it's obvious that the way that you work through those mistakes is to keep letting him do it. And I think that's something that they did really well was just letting him play through it a little bit. And eventually, I mean, that that fourth quarter drive against Texas, that was as impressive a drive by any quarterback this year in the state. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really was. Because he threw a deep ball uh, to Tay Barber, and that was part of it. But he also he ran the zone read. Uh, he made the right plays. He obviously scored on a, on a play action touchdown. Like it was just everything, you yeah. know. He did everything right on that drive. He threw the short ball. He threw the long ball. Uh, he threw the intermediate ball, and he ran and made the right decisions. Like, and and let's let's remember, he's in his fifth career start. Yeah. The last time that he was, you know, his sixth most recent career start was in Council Bluffs, Iowa. So like, you know, this is. This is impressive. This is what you want to see. And this is the sort of game that I think you need to call when you're playing Texas. You know, you have to be unafraid and you have to let your freshman quarterback make some mistakes, but eventually give him opportunities to succeed. And and I think finally, finally, after, I mean, it's been years probably, we, we've seen we've seen Sonny Cumbie now call a good game in my opinion. Right. No, I agree. Who's how much of the conservatism was him and how much was Gary saying, hey, just look, look at this, okay? Alex Delton started to start the year, right? Sure, and sure. and the reason for that, in my opinion, and, and actually Gary even kind of let us in a little bit on it, was, you know, Gary kind of said, no, we're starting Delton because he's the experienced guy. He's not going to make mistakes. He's not going to turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. And I think that Gary Patterson has been a much heavier hand in this offense this year. Yeah. Uh, just in terms of, you know... We're not getting Sean Robinson. You're not going to turn the ball over three times a game and have us lose games even though we're playing good defense. But right. but ultimately, I mean, you have to let these guys do their thing yeah. because that's how you win games. Yeah, and like, I mean, this <laughs> this sets up an interesting thing for, I mean, not even for this season but next season because, I mean, the big story that we kind of thought heading into the offseason was the quarterback they acquired from Ohio State and now do you just throw all of this development away from Max Duggan right well and actually let's get to Texas right now so um you know heading into the year we kind of figured them at worst to be top three maybe Mm -hmm. and you know in the big 12 and and really a consensus top two now a lot of that was based on what they did last season too but you Mm -hmm. felt like they returned a decent amount and Look, I'm not going to overreact too much to this or really to anything this season because I think that we knew going into the year that the defense could have some issues. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, I mean, this this team looks a whole lot more like an average team than it does a Big 12 title contender. Yep. I think the thing is, too, is that Sam Ellinger is starting to feel the pressure of knowing that if Sam Ellinger doesn't win this game, nobody's going to win this game for them. And so far this season, I mean, even in that game against Oklahoma, he played pretty well and he fought. Um, but again, when they were able to get to him and take him out of the game, it was over for Texas. They just don't have really anything else. And Roshan Johnson kind of took a little bit of a step back. He couldn't quite get free. Uh, they kind of moved away from Keontae Ingram uh, once he started struggling a little bit because he had a good first quarter and that was kind of it. Yeah. And the defense, I mean... Everybody knows. We don't need to talk too much about it, but it's just, it's a disaster right now. And yeah. my my thought process heading into this game was if a team can either get to the edge or if they can get to the second level, then 
Texas is in trouble because mm-hmm. they have defended that very poorly. And I didn't think TCU could do it. That was my big thing. But, you know, TCU was making plays that they had not made all year long because the Texas defense was giving it to them. And I will say there were just some straight up bad breaks. There were some straight up like Duggan floats a ball and it just goes right over Tyler Owens, right. you know, and, and just, uh, you know, if, if Tyler Owens is half a foot in front of him, you know, it's a different play, but that's just how football goes. Yeah. Here's the part I want to ask you is, does Herman look at this as the reverse of his first year? Or hinging a lot on Todd Orlando's defense, but he's yeah. still stuck with... in there let's give them more time you know now Todd Orlando has the better but does he look at this and say look let's give Todd a healthy defense let's give him another year Todd Orlando has carried this team for two years I know that fans by almost definition have a short memory you know mm-hmm. it's what you do for me lately but right. for two years you know for two years Todd Orlando's defense kept things together, and they patched up holes. They're the reason that they won 10 games. They're the reason that they made a bowl game in year one. Like, they have done everything so far for this program. And now now the offense is starting to step up, and Sam Ellinger is becoming that reason in a lot of ways that Texas can be successful. But you look at what their defense is dealing with, and... You know, Joseph Osai has been very good. Keontre Coburn has been very good. Brandon Jones has sometimes been good. And Caden Stearns has been out. Mm-hmm. One guy that I, yeah. I do feel like needs to be better is Malcolm Roach. Like, oh, Malcolm Roach sure. has been a non-factor for this sure. season. Yeah. And, you know, because you can you can be okay with, not okay with, but you can understand why Taquan Graham maybe isn't being as big a factor as you hoped he would be because mm-hmm. he's a young player. But Malcolm Roach is a senior. This is it for him. And... I, this is something that I feel like we've experienced with him throughout his career is him just disappearing in games and not making an impact on games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and as a defensive end, that's just not okay. You know, you just can't do that. And and funnily enough, I, I don't really think that corners were necessarily the issue yesterday. No. Uh, I don't think so. no and But the issue is that, um, you know, the, the linebackers weren't great and... Tyler Owens kept getting beat. And again, Tyler Owens was in a lot of good spots and just couldn't make the play. Mm-hmm. Like, those are things that'll change as he gets older. But, well, and, and actually, I mean, I will ask, uh, it, it, why was Tyler Owens out there so much in the first place? I mean, what, did they go away from Estelle? Did they go away from, uh, I'm trying to think, Chris Brown? Yeah. I mean, or, or were they hurt? I, Is there something that I missed? But he was out there a whole lot. Yeah, I, I don't think that he should overreact to the point where he brings in new coordinators necessarily. Both coordinators, in my opinion, have showed what success looks like for them and that they can reach success here. And and for me, obviously things are going downhill, obviously things are getting bad, but I don't think that fundamentally changes what these coordinators can do. Right. And I think if you're Tom Herman, I feel like after a 10-win season, I, I feel like he has the cachet. Now... I mean, I also am not a booster at the University of Texas, and I right. don't, you know, I whatever. Like, I don't have to deal with that pressure. I don't have to deal with the politics of that, um, I, and I get that. But I feel like, well, I, again, I'm giving a lot of people too much credit, I think, but if <laughs> I feel like I'm selling this to people, you know, you say, hey, you know what, when we're healthier next year, when we have more depth in the secondary, when we have more depth at linebacker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these young players – 
in 2018, 2018 was one of the best recruiting classes that Texas ever put out, and these players are still growing, and a lot of them are competing and playing pretty well, but eventually these guys are going to get older, and so that's why I would just be, I wouldn't overreact. I mean, again, Tano Orlando has showed you what kind of defensive coordinator he can be, and he will get back to that, in my opinion, and will it be at Texas? I don't know, but if he goes somewhere else, he's going to lead that team to having a good defense. He just is. Like, mm-hmm. he's a good coordinator. And so um, I would hope, personally, that they don't overreact. Uh, but, I mean, you know, we <laughs> it's the Texas Longhorns. They're not allowed to fail, right? right. And exactly. so, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. Uh, you know, let, let's quickly talk about TCU for a second, though, too, and, and mm-hmm. just about their trajectory. Because, one, the hope is obviously now that... Sonny Cumbie has the green light to kind of throw these deep balls with Max Duggan to go out and try to win games. Um, but, you know, and actually the defense too. The defense played a lot better than I think we've seen the last couple of weeks against Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. Just just causing some issues. And, and there were bad plays. I mean, honestly, God, Jeff Gladney has taken a big step back this Ooh. year. And really a lot of guys, I mean, in his games, I, I don't know if he was a big problem yesterday, but he across the season hasn't been very good mm-hmm. um you know but but once they kind of got a spark from that offense it looked like they really just kicked it into gear and really really were able to take some stuff away you know uh i wrote about it a lot on textfootball.com but this was just such a release for this program i think oh, just to sure. finally get a good result and i mean everybody was just so so much happier after the game everybody was joyful i mean you know like Obviously, they rushed the field, and, and you know, people people kind of talk some crap about them rushing the field against the number 15 team in a yeah, game that, fine. in some place, they were favored. And my two thoughts are, one, first of all, college football is fun, and if you ask kids to have less fun, then you're the worst. Right. And two, and two um, again, it was so much about just how the season has gone. It wasn't even just about the opponent, although mm-hmm. the opponent helps. It was just about, oh, thank God, you know, we finally have something good to talk about we finally you know saw something good we felt something good we feel like finally things are back on track a little bit sure. uh, it, I, and, and I think that all of that is completely deserved yeah no 100% like I mean I get it if it's like if people have a problem with like you know it's not Bama rushing the field after beating Vanderbilt right no, like no. it's TCU who's been struggling the past couple years who had issues with where the trajectory was going um against a Texas team that, you know, sure was floundering, but sure had also, like, looked to be in the opposite trajectory a couple, you know, uh, at the start of the season and looked like, oh, God, the power struggle is going back the other way. And um, and so, I mean, I think Luke Zimmerman, formerly of SB Nation, kind of put it right, yeah. where it's like, if you would have told me, you know, when I was younger, that TCU was the more consistent, you know, program than Texas, I mean... That's wild. That's wild to think about. And right. like it, it's that 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 type of that reputation still holds for Texas, right? Whether you're TCU or you're SMU or you're Rice or whatever, you're still playing Texas, the you know, the old guard of the Southwest Conference, right? That that win still means something to you. No, absolutely. And it should. Yeah. You know, and so um, you know, so credit to TCU, I think that they, you know, fixed some things and and I think that's they look like a rejuvenated team. Now, 
the schedule only gets tougher from here. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to play Oklahoma still. They have to play Baylor still. I don't even think they've played Oklahoma State as yet. So they have to play a lot of their toughest games still heading out. But uh, but I think that this changes the way that you look at them in sort of the Big 12 picture. But anyway, uh, let's let's just quickly, quickly run through the Power Bowl. Uh, you know, we spent a good 40 minutes talking about a couple of games. So let's go <laughs> ahead and run through. And actually, we didn't even talk about SMU-Houston, I guess. Uh, but oh, yeah, that was the other we, game you were at this weekend. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the top. But, um, okay, so Rice is number 12, 26 loss to, to Southern Miss. Um, look, you know what? At this point, I I look at these, you know, close results, and and I'm starting to feel nothing, man. I'm yep. starting to feel nothing. <laughs> yeah, basically. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else we can say. Yeah, I I mean they'll they'll get it figured out, but sure. oh, man, th- this might be an zero twelve team. I mean it, it starting it really to look like be. yeah. Uh, their one chance for a win will come against the next team, number eleven UTEP, forty two twenty one lost Louisiana Tech. The most surprising thing in this game, and Louisiana Tech is a tremendous offense, mm-hmm. but the defense seems to be cracking a little bit. Uh, yeah, and, that's true. And I think that's totally fair and even to be expected in some ways because it's just really hard to play defense when your team starts to really suck uh but but I mean you know 42 points is a lot to put up and they kind of pulled away and and the flip side of that obviously is that Kyle Loxley actually looked pretty decent but Mm. you know that's not gonna do it necessarily uh number 10 UTSA they were on a bye this week uh you, you want to wax any po- poetic about your Texas State Bobcats oh at number nine? God. Um, I mean, I kind of talked about it a little bit on Twitter, but yeah. it just, I don't think, I mean, no one expected them to make a bowl, right? Right, right. Um, but We hoped. We hoped, sure. It was like, oh, maybe a faint, you know, faint optimism here and there. But the issue is, and this isn't an indictment of Spav at all. This isn't an indictment of anybody on the current staff. But this hire and the decision to move on from Ever Withers was based on the idea that this program is ready to win now. Sure. And that this program was in a position to win now and win. And and granted, this, I mean, you know, maybe it was just Coach Spavadon not knowing exactly what he had yet the point. But in his opening press conference, he said this, we're going to win, right? In his yeah. press conference, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure I have it in the magazine where he says, where I asked him straight up, where is this program? He's like, we're close, right? We, we, we feel that we're close. I don't, I don't know. It's been the same issues that have been present the past couple of years. Um, yeah. The offense is still bad. It's just bad in a new way. <laughs> um <laughs> There's still no offensive line. And again, that's not on him. You know, he doesn't have right. those players. Um, defense still gets hung out to dry. And now, you know, and they're still getting blown out by the best teams in the conference. Last year, right. at least they were competing with Troy. At least they looked good against some of the good teams. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know. Has this been a step backwards or a stagnation? I don't know for sure either way. But all I know is next year, you you lose most, if not all, this defense. And, you know, you keep the offense and sure, that's, you know, that could set up something really solid. You get Brady McBride if you think he's the guy, but okay, now you're just going to be a pretty good offense with an inexperienced defense that's probably letting up, you know, 30 points a game. Um, So I don't know. I I think 
I feel like a lot of the fan base was sold an inaccurate picture of where the program was. And if the program wasn't ready to win now, the decision to let go of Ever Withers before his last season, I feel might have been premature. Um, yeah. Because I feel like maybe you should have given him a recruiting, finish out his recruiting cycle and then say, okay, look, nothing got better, you know, so long, bye. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. And, and, you know, maybe they do feel like they are close because. If you look at the recruiting trail, they're going after JUCO players. Maybe they do feel like they're very well um, uh, supplied with high school talent to be able to go after these quick fix guys. Um, but it just looks like a lot of the same issues that are, are are still present, which I think that's the most frustrating thing right now with the season. I wasn't that bothered, honestly, by this particular game mm-hmm. because I, I mean, I'm sorry. I just don't think Tyler Vitt is very good. Sure. And, and I think that... You know, when Jensen went out, he's your one guy who you kind of trust to make plays. And, and he's not amazing by any means, obviously. Right. But but I think that he just changes the game being in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even I think we saw it against ULM. You know, once once uh, Jensen went out, like, that offense started to stagnate a little bit more. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it, it might just be fit, obviously, too. But, yeah. but regardless, you know, Tyler Vitt has not been very good in this offense and really wasn't very good in the last offense either. So, um yeah, the, obviously, I think you you look at that game and it's disappointing to go on the road and get blasted by mm-hmm. a good Arkansas State team. Um, but again, you know, I mean, you look at the results. Like Georgia State's been pretty good this year, actually. You know that that win is aging a lot better than I think it. it I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ULM. I think that loss is aging poorly, though. You know, yeah, on the yeah. flip side, seriously. And so, I think that. I think it's too early to say that there's been stagnation because, you know, they have five games left. They have five mm-hmm. tries left. Sure. Uh, and if they can if they can beat South Alabama, if they can beat Coastal, mm-hmm. four wins is more than Everett Withers got. You sure. Know? I will say, like, here, here, so here's, here's where it's going to hinge on that South Alabama game because yeah. you look at Withers last year. Mm-hmm. So you go, what are the wins against? The wins are against an FCS program. It's Texas Southern. Right. And FBS independent lower tier New Mexico State, right. and a and at Georgia State. Look at this year. Right. What are your wins? Georgia State, an FCS program in Nichols, and potentially at Coastal Carolina. Right. That's the same. Ex- that's my. That's my thing. It's the same. Ex- basically, the same exact results as last year. If they don't get that South Alabama game. Sure. And so sure. I think, and again, Spavadol's fine. He's going to be fine. He, you know, it, he, I don't have an issue with the hire. I don't have an issue with him. But it's just that I think that people, and by people, I don't mean just fans. I mean the administration, Spavadol to some extent, I think they oversold what they had in year one. And I think it is more of a re, I don't want to say rebuild, but definitely a retooling as opposed to a plug and play, which I think this was originally pitched as. Yeah, I, I think that the other thing too, though, is that I think that the overall talent level of the roster might have been about where they thought. I think that they just didn't realize where the talent was. Sure, that, that's um, a fair be- point too. And so, because I think that you look at this offense too, and and I mean, just realistically, in the su- even in the Sun Belt, like mm-hmm. I don't know how many offensive players you look at as true difference makers because yeah. you know Haydel hasn't been that. Uh, you know. It, Caleb, uh, Twyford has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, the running backs, honestly, as a whole, have both been pretty good since conference play started. Mm-hmm. 
but the line has struggled. Obviously, the quarterbacks have struggled. The receivers have been a non-factor. And I think you just, in a way, kind of have to look at that. And and it's not even necessarily that the talent level across the board hasn't been good, but at, at those key positions, they just haven't been able to get production. Mm-hmm. And... You know, and, and hey, you know what? That's the flip side for me. You know, it's easy for me to say that Tyler Vitt's not very good, but, like, he's not getting a whole lot of help either from that line or from that receiving core. So, sure. um, And that's the one thing that I'll say about receivers, at least, is that that's one thing that I think that, uh, that Spavital can change in a year, mm-hmm. you know, or two. Like, I think that that's something that could change very quickly next season um, when it comes to receivers. Now, the line, obviously, is going to be... I mean, that's the hard part about football. I mean, that's what you have to do to win. But right. And uh, I think that's where he's, I mean, <clears throat> to his credit, he, I mean, obviously he realizes that and he's hammering that really hard. And if you look at their 247 2020 offers yeah. page, like there is, a, there's a lot of Juco, right? There's a yeah. lot of Juco and it's a lot of Juco along that offensive line. So yeah, I think he well, realizes, and that's what I think you have to do. That's right. what you have to do. Right. You have to, you have to go for these guys that are quick fixes, ready to play now. You don't have to worry about their, you know, their rawness, their uh, their development, long-term projection, because I think that's where Withers and his staff might have overplayed, is getting sure. more of those projects and more of those guys that are like, oh, let's just get him in and see what we got. And a lot of them haven't, I mean, obviously haven't panned out. So just knowing guys that know how to play the game, know how to play their position, and that come in ready to go. So, Yeah. Okay, so, so again, Texas State's number nine. Mm-hmm. I, I will say I... This is just me pulling names out of a hat for this next group. Okay, in fact, let, let's say this. SMU's number one, Baylor's number two. Sure. That's stayed the same. Yep. Uh, literally between three and eight, I would not care what order you put them in because <laughs> I think they're all like exactly the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I put I put Tech at eight because that's just my punishment for losing to Kansas. Like sure. I, I think that I'm comfortable with that being a rule. <laughs> but the one thing that I'll say is that you know, gosh darn it, uh, North Texas. Oh my gosh. I, I, I honestly, I mean, it's bad. Honestly, I feel like maybe I should have put them at eight because terrible. Charlotte is so bad. Like, I mean, they're not what Kansas has been the past couple of years, but mm-hmm. they are real close. You know, <laughs> they are real close. They've been a non-factor. They're such a young football program. Mm-hmm. And, North Texas, they just couldn't get off the field. They couldn't. They just couldn't get off the field. This defense seems to get worse every week. <laughs> it does. I don't, I don't. I don't get it. Um, you score thirty-eight points on the road. That's a win. I'm sorry. You have to. That, win. That's a win. You should absolutely walk away with that. And they couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. I. I don't. I'm trying to see. If Chris Reynolds had had a better game all season than the game he had this past week, <laughs> no, he has not. Um, his highest, no surprise. His highest. Q- okay, so he finished with a QBR <clears throat> of ninety two point eight. <clears throat> oh, boy. Actually, no, sorry, ninety seven. <laughs> oh boy. He finished with a QBR of ninety seven, and his last his game. Uh, let's see, the most yards he threw for before that was against App State, <clears throat> where he threw for two ninety six. Okay. And yeah, he threw for three thirty six, three touchdowns and no picks in this game. Um Yeah, that's unacceptable. I don't <laughs> I I I don't know. I mean, usually we talk about oh Mason Fine was inconsistent or the offense couldn't really get no, they're fine. They're fine. Trey yeah. Siggers ran yeah, the ball really well. Um, you know, the receivers stepped up. Jalen Darden was great. 
Like, I don't, like, I, they were fine. This was all on the defense. And like you said, not being able to get off the field. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, man. I, and I, I posed this question on Twitter, or I posed the, my thought on Twitter is immediately I start to think of Mark Hudspeth when I, when yeah. I think, when yeah, I think I of Seth that. Luttrell, where it's like a guy who's clearly, clearly the mid-major coach that people are waiting for to take the next step. And I mean, granted, he still could because it's still impressive what he built. But like now, it's like, okay, did he stay a year too long? Right? Did he overplay Maybe. a little bit? Because Mark Hutzbeth did the same thing at Lafayette. Obviously, his thing had to do with sanctions. Also, coming down on Lafayette is a reason why he didn't get another job. But he also stayed a year too long. And and the moment that a program stagnates or goes south in in at the G five level, you start to look at it and say, ah. Maybe it wasn't his, well, you know, his guys, or maybe it was the the last guys' personnel right. that just didn't develop right under them, or you know, there start just questions start to arise. Is the point? Well, even even more than that, like I think that at the conference USA level, you have zero room for error oh, because for sure. because I think that you know in the American, like I think that if you have some good seasons, if you are the fifth you know, best team in the American, I think that you can still get a very good job based off of that. Yeah. But to get from the MAC, from Conference USA, and to some extent the Sun Belt, mm-hmm. if you are not putting forward a 9-win, 10-win season, then nobody cares about you. Right. You know, nobody no cares about you as a prospect. Yeah. And, and so, like, you look at... Because, like, the... The... the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The... The room for like I think you, yeah the room for error is just so small because like you right. have you and the AAC like you said you win six games you win seven games I mean like it happened to Chad Morris right, right. He, he didn't have a breakout year at SMU he had an okay year but it was a, right. it was an okay year at SMU in the AAC so it's like oh well he's obviously a good coach and we still think he is despite what's happening in Arkansas but you know it didn't matter if you're if you're uh, I'm trying to think of an example. If you're, um, well, look at Blake Anderson at Arkansas State, right? Sure. He's been okay, right? He's had a couple good years, but he's for the most part, you know, they win seven games and they're good. Well, but it's one, well, and I think that if 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 Blake Anderson's what he's doing, what he's doing in the Mountain West or mm-hmm. in the American, mm-hmm. I think he's clearly a Power Five coach by now. Right. And, well, because it's happened at Arkansas State. It's happened with Brian Harson, right. Hugh Freeze, Gus Malzahn. Right. Like literally, one year they win ten games, boom, they're gone. Like, and right. it, and, and that that hasn't happened because Blake Anderson hasn't had that level of a year. And now the one thing that I will say is that it is a little silly on the part of some Power Five decision makers, for example, sure. that that Seth Luttrell fundamentally changes a place forever sure. and wins, you know, nine games in consecutive seasons and, you know, comes just short of a conference championship and nobody wants it. Right. You know? Yeah. That, it, like, that, that's no one, sort yeah, of a whole other thing. Yeah, and the argument here isn't that, isn't that um, Seth Luttrell doesn't deserve a look, right? Right. It's that I'm looking at it from the perspective of a, I'm just going back, I'm just trying to think of places that would hire him. Um, uh, barring Matt, you know, Matt Wells, let's say Matt Wells isn't, isn't, wasn't hired or whatever. Look at tech, right? If King, yeah. if King Uri stuck around for another year um, and then gets fired up this year, if I'm tech, I'm like, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. You know, like <laughs> it's just like that in that uncertainty now where it's like, well, why is he, why is the trajectory down all of a sudden? Right. right. Um, and you look at Frank Wilson at UTSA, the same thing was like, ah, why is the trajectory down? It was good for a couple of years and it's right. UTSA. So any type of success should be kind of praised, but right. 
I don't know. You have to look at it from the perspective of administrators. Right, right. So anyway, in some order, Tekken and Nortex are seven and eight. Yep. Um, the the next group, the next four teams, again, same deal. I think you could put them in any order. I put Houston next. Um, you know, they competed really hard against SMU, but mm-hmm. you can't shake what they've done earlier in the year. Sure. Uh, next, I have Texas. Um, you know, this is a little bit of a short-term bump. I don't think it's necessarily going to stay like this, mm-hmm. but but to get kind of beat up for, you know, what is, is it consecutive games for Oklahoma and TCU? Do they have a game in between that I can't remember? I think that was consecutive games. So, I mean, to get to get beat up in consecutive games, I mean, that's that's not good enough. No, Oklahoma, Kansas, and TCU. So three, so back-to-back-to-back games that they got beat up. How did I forget about I know, right? We forgot that they almost lost to Kansas. That is wild. Oh, man. But still, already, that, that just kind of reinforces your point. Back to back to back yeah. games where you get beat yeah. up. Yeah, I mean this this is a same deal downward trajectory right yeah. now. Um, so you know Texas moves down. They've firmly been in that top three group and really the top one for most of the season. But mm-hmm. they're heading down. Uh, TCU gets a, a fresh set of legs. They're up to number four. Texas A&M at number three, uh, you know, they killed Mississippi State, who looked terrible. Mississippi State looks terrible this year. I don't know what happened to that program. There's there's some talk, obviously, that Joe Moorhead could leave to take the Rutgers job. I've seen uh, because, that because he's from he's New York He's a Northeast area. guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all that. And you know what? That might make perfect sense because I am sure as hell that Mississippi State does not want him to be their coach. I th- yeah, it's... It was such a good hire at the time, and because such is received yeah. as a great hire at the time, and something just hasn't clicked there. And I, don't I have, know what. I don't know, but it might be, it might be one of those. I mean, hell, it might be a Sunny Dykes cow situation where it's like, yeah, this sure. just isn't just working out. Let's just both go separate ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, he also has that Northeast connection, so who knows? Right, right. I mean, it would make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. you know, and I mean, I think that clearly, clearly, clearly is on the better end of of what Rutgers could potentially get. So I think that, you know, it makes a lot of sense for them. But anyway, they look, Mississippi State looks terrible. Once, once like A&M they, went up, I was like, okay, I don't need to watch this game anymore. I was, yeah. I was so happy. I was like, thank you, yeah, A&M, yeah. for not worrying me. Uh, I just took care of business. And yeah, when it was 14, nothing. I was like, okay, they're not coming back. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no question. And uh, guess what? Um, I was right. Home Kellen Mond strikes again. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Hold on, I'm pulling up his line right now. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. He had five touchdowns. He threw for 234 yards, three touchdowns on 17 of 23 passing, and then added nine carries for 76 yards and two touchdowns. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Home Kellen Mond leads him to 49 points. So uh, we talked about Baylor extensively earlier. They're at number two right now. I, You could put them at one and i would have no issues with that i think the only i think the only reason is that they don't want to buy yeah if they came if they played and they had a good showing then like i I feel like you can make that argument but you know right them on a buy you know it it was still the best buy week ever but um (laughs) they were still on a (laughs) buy buy because every uh every other favorite in the conference went zero and four this week so it was a good week to not play but uh but you know i mean and i think i think baylor the big thing that when we put out these rankings, like there is some normalization towards your standing in your conference, right? And yeah. and your level. You know, it's pound per pound. And now I think that Baylor and SMU would play a hell of a game on a neutral site, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily how we're doing our rankings. Uh, and so with Baylor, 
they are a legit conference title contender, whereas with the number one team, SMU, regardless of 34-31 over Houston, I mean, they were they were a better team and just didn't play like it for a game. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, with SMU, they are, to me, at this moment, the favorite to make the New Year's Six and win the AAC. So, like, that's what you look at. You know, they are that much further ahead, I think, than everybody else in their conference than Baylor is. And so... Um, you know, with SMU, the one thing that I'll say that is a potential long-term worry mm-hmm. is that when Reggie Robertson went out, that SMU pass game looked astonishingly ordinary. Mm-hmm. And I think that you look at SMU's roster, you know, you felt like they had some names that maybe could step up and play well at receiver next to James Prochet, but but really once Robertson went out, it was really just dialing in on Prochet, a lot of tunnel vision. Now, they're still really good at running back. You know, Xavier Jones has still been fantastic for them. Uh, Their defense, I think, still doesn't get enough credit, even though they struggled a little bit against Houston Mm -hmm. on last Thursday. But I still think this is probably the most complete team in the group of five, and I still think that, you know, we'll learn a lot about them this week when they go to Memphis. Do you know if game day has been announced as yet? I don't I feel like it might happen today. Um, okay. Sometimes cause... it's late at night on the Saturday, but but the other thing too is that Memphis needed. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, that was things. wild. <laughs> I was so oh. <laughs> go go ahead. Yeah. Tulsa has if Tech isn't the most what could have been program right now, uh, it's Tulsa because Tulsa had a like a thirty three yard field goal yep. as time expired to win the game, and he shanked it. Terrible. Oh, it was bad. Terrible. It was bad. He hooked that. Like you can watch on the, on the, um, on the replay. I just I want. I always like to watch this when the when a kicker hooks a shot, uh, hooks yeah. a chip shot, is because yeah. he catches it like with the 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 arch of his foot. Like oh, it's boy. it was bad. I was always. I, I'm always curious if like if that's a thing. If it's like. You know, if he accidentally catches it too far with the inside of his foot, and it, he that that was definitely the reason why he shanked that. He caught that perfectly with the arch oh, of his foot, man. and it just shanked it to the left. And oh, it's just no. like, oh no! I think one of the announcers said mentioned it where it's like, if he if he struggles hooking it, like despite of how how short it is, if he struggles hooking it, you know, you should have angled that more to the center. Because like right. obviously, if you're on the right hash, he's gonna try. You know, he's gonna try to hit it more with the inside of his foot to hook it right. uh, left. And obviously, he overcompensated because he hooked it way to the left. And so it's like you should definitely be putting that more center if you if your kicker feels uncomfortable, if you know, or if you know he feels uncomfortable um, uh, shooting that to the shooting that uh, trying to hook that into the left um, off the right hash because yeah he caught that way inside once you once he makes contact with that you're like oh that's flying to the left (laughs) the minute i saw that on the replay i was like oh yeah no wonder he shot that yeah yeah well well memphis survives and advances and now we have the marquee game in the uh in the group of five maybe this entire season yeah please listen game day i get it the cocktail party's also that weekend who who cares who cares It'll sure it might be a fun game. It might also be fourteen to ten. Who cares? Like, go, uh, it choose, won't be a fun game. Choose the more historic game. The, the Florida Georgia will play again next year. It'll be fine. You can go to that one. Come yeah. on, SMU is yeah. good for the first time since the eighties, um, 
and Memphis. It's it, like you said, it's setting up the big G, the biggest G five game of the year. Come on, yeah, come on, game. Yeah, day. this is this this should this, this should solve itself. This game could decide who is playing in the Cotton Bowl. So come on, come on, get out there. Do but it. anyway. Uh, thanks as always, everybody, for listening. I do want to say, um, you know, our our I I always hate using this phrase, but I I have no other words. But you know, thoughts and prayers with with everybody in commerce. Um, oh, for you know, sure. Last night, it sounds like there was a, potentially a mass shooting there um, at a homecoming event, which is just just the, the absolute worst. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, if if anybody has any way that we can uh, find a way to support the people there or the university or or the town or anything like that, please please let us know because you know we want to do anything that we can to help. You know, mm-hmm. there are so many good people in commerce, and and we just hope that everybody's all right. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I, there's there's no good way to to talk about this because it's just it just sucks, man. Yeah. It just sucks. And um, so we're our thoughts are with you, and and if there's anything we can do, just let us know. But, uh, you know, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just, it's hard for me to no, transition. I was about to say, it's hard to transition off of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, as always, you can find all of our work at textfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Text Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, if you're not already, become a subscriber, textfootball.com slash subscribe. Um, you know, and, and Ish, the good news is for you is that even though your Bobcats might be struggling, uh, this will soon become a Phoenix Suns podcast. So who cares? <laughs> Uh, I told I texted you last night. I have no idea who this team is, but I don't care as long as they keep wearing the Suns uniforms and performing this well. I don't care. Yeah, well, on the flip side, the Bulls shot under thirty percent last night against the Raptors, so you know it's been a little rocky to start. But uh, but but I am firmly Kobe White Hive now. Uh, you know, in five games it might change, but for right go. now I am. And uh, you know what? You know what? Basketball's the best, man. I I love it. Uh, basketball and college football. I don't need anything else. I, right. As long as I got those two, it's I'm, the I'm just time about of the good to go. Right, now. <laughs> right. And make sure to keep an eye out for Texas Basketball Magazine uh, on bookshelves very very soon. And you can buy it also at TexasBasketball.com/store. So, first of all, Johnson. I'm Shahan J. Raja. Thanks to everybody for listening. And I'm sorry that I can't talk today because I am exhausted. So (laughs) we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.